0: Hello, hello. Welcome to The VHive, your go-to podcast for all things women's intimate health. I'm your host, Hannah, here to discuss the many questions you've always had about your body, but never wanted to ask. Whether it relates to sex, chronic pain, trauma, relationships, healing, hormones, spirituality, and so much more, we are normalizing taboos, breaking down the complexities of the female body and providing you with the information you need to take your health into your own hands. This episode is sponsored by Good Clean Love. As many of you probably know, Good Clean Love is my absolute favorite feminine hygiene product line. They are completely revolutionizing the sexual health industry and are genuinely creating products that help enhance sexual pleasure and improve reproductive health. Their organic care and intimacy products are also packaged with green plastics made of recyclable sugarcane. I use their Balance Moisturizing Wash literally every single day in the shower. It helps to cleanse, refresh, and eliminate unhealthy odor while maintaining optimal vaginal pH levels. Another product of theirs that I am obsessed with is their rebalanced Feminine Wipes, which are also pH balanced and made with premium aloe and soothing botanical extracts. I love to use them post-sex, and of course, all of their products are free of artificial fragrances, harsh soaps, petrochemicals, and parabens, and all of their products are gynecologist recommended. I cannot recommend these products enough, so if you want to try them out for yourself, you can receive 10% off your first order by going to goodcleanlove.com and using the code HANNAH10 at checkout. That's www.goodcleanlove.com and using the code HANNAH10 at checkout. Hi guys, happy Friday, happy new year. I hope everyone is doing well, feeling good and ready to start 2021. I am definitely optimistic about this year being a good one. And I'm so excited to share with you all of the amazing guests that I have lined up. So thank you all for listening and supporting. If there's anyone that you want me to have on the podcast or any topics you wanna talk about, Please send me an email, Hannah at or you can just DM the Vibe on Instagram because I check all of the DMs myself. So definitely share with me what you want to hear more about, who you want to hear from, and I will try and make that all happen for you. But today's guest is, oh my God, it's such a good episode. It is with a woman named Lindsay Roberts who is going to share with us her healing story and the incredible work she is doing today. And just for context, she's 40 year, 41 years old now. She is a food and nutrition educator and the founder of Mind Body Kitchens. So, back in 2014, the chronic migraines that Lindsay had since the age of 12 came back full force. Nothing that had worked before seemed to work this time around for her. She monitored her diet, did yoga, meditated. She did everything and she was at a loss of what to do. Deep down, she knew there was something more to heal herself, but she didn't know what it was and was determined to find it. She also knew that there was an emotional connection to healing, but again, wasn't sure how to figure out what to do with that information. So in July 2014, Lindsay attended the Whole Health Medicine Institute conference by Dr. Lisa Rankin. This was intended for doctors, nurses, and other therapists in the wellness industry. However, she went as a patient and was hoping that she would find out the keys to healing herself. She was desperate and open to trying literally anything. During the conference, Lindsay learned about overcoming the traumas in her life, especially early childhood traumas with modalities such as somatic experiencing, which I'm sure many of you are familiar with. Learning to thrive for her included many aspects such as being in touch with her intuition, moving her body through Nia dance, tapping into her creativity, and connecting to nature. This was truly about learning to connect with herself and what she desired most in life life was not dragging her here and there, but rather she learned that she was an active participant in learning to love herself and find her own joy every single day. Now, six and a half years later, Lindsay decided to bring this experience to others suffering from chronic migraines and chronic pain by creating the Break Free from Chronic Pain Virtual Summit in order to inspire people to find their own love and joy as they work towards a pain-free life. So, This episode is really so interesting. Lindsay shares her journey with us and she talks about how healing can be a creative process. It can be an enjoyable process. Obviously there's a lot of glows that come with chronic pain and healing, but she really discusses ways in which you can make it a better experience, which I think is so important. And I hope that you guys learn a lot and enjoy it. And I'm so excited to share this with you. Welcome to the v Lindsay. Thank you for being here today.
1: Thank you so much for asking me to join you. I'm excited to share my story with you.
0: I am so excited. Your story is extremely inspirational, and I know that everyone listening is really going to learn a lot and just take away such valuable information from our conversation. So I'm excited to just dive right in and ask you a lot of questions and learn more about your life. Um, So let's just get right into it. The first thing that I really want to ask you is, how did your migraines go away initially? And then what caused them to ultimately come back in 2014?
1: Yeah, so I had migraines from the age of 12 till 35. So I would say between 30 to 34, they significantly reduced. They never fully went away. Um, I would say they were between like, 80 to 90% gone, but I would still get migraines on occasion. And um, at that time, there didn't seem to be a rhyme or reason to it. You know, it could have, I was still struggling to figure it out when they did come. Um, But what attributed to them reducing significantly was diet and nutrition. Um, So that was a big breakthrough for me. And that's really what kind of set me on this whole path to running a culinary school most recently, and um, and now doing it virtually online, um, because that food and nutrition and diet was so important uh, to me feeling good each day. Um, so for me, that meant you know not eating the less healthy processed foods, moving towards you know fresh and organic and seasonal um, whenever possible and learning how to cook myself. So, um, that was a really big factor for me. Um, I also, you know, was delving into like yoga and meditation and, um, also between 30 to 34, I, I really started, you know, figuring out who was I and, you know, what were my needs and, you know, maybe uh, somebody that has had chronic pain for a shorter amount of time um, wouldn't relate as much because I started these, having these headaches at the age of 12. So it's like when I was growing and developing this whole, like, uh, you know, concept of, well, really what, what chronic pain meant to me was really just how I grew up and developed. It was part of my personality almost, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah it's hard to explain. Um, but it was just really ingrained in me. Um, you know, for 23 years, that was and when i healed myself at 35, um, you know, i had had those headaches for two thirds of my life. So it's almost like I couldn't remember what life was even like without a headache, if that makes sense.
0: It, it, it does, it completely does. And so why do you know why they came back when you were how old were you in 2014
1: yes yeah, so I was 34 turning 35 okay um so I just wanted, just wanted to say one other thing too I was like starting to understand you know that uh like I wasn't the victim and you know starting to just ha- stand stronger in my own power and things at during like the time of 30 to 34 but in spring of 2014 um that is when I had a breakup, a really devastating breakup with an ex-boyfriend, and he and I had been friends for 13 years and dated for a little over one. So when that breakup ended, it was um, more like a death, and it was it was at that time like the second hardest thing that I'd ever gone through in my life, and the first thing was my father's suicide um, uh, in 2002. So that was significant for me and this also felt like a death and um and I realized that the headaches came like crashing back to the state that they were when I was 12 um like level 10 migraine 24 hours a day and that's when everything that I knew all the different healing modalities that I knew didn't work nothing worked um so you can imagine that was really frustrating for me um And so in the back of my head, I started thinking, you know, there's something more. What is it? I think like there's this emotional piece, but I don't know what it is. I don't know how to access it. Um, So I was starting to get curious. um, And that's when uh, I had read Dr. Lissa Rankin's Mind Over Medicine book and um, and then attended her conference in July of that year. Um, So, yeah, it was it was just like this big revelation that nothing that I knew in the past worked. And I also feel like that relationship was almost like a crutch to my healing because that person truly was my best friend at that time for 13 years. And he really modeled, um, like this alternative lifestyle and meditation and, um, like really good behaviors Mm -hmm. and, so I felt better when, when we were together, but I hadn't fully believed it for myself that I was healed and, you know, and I hadn't addressed that emotional piece. So, um, you know, I didn't fully own the fact that I was feeling better. There was a missing piece Mm -hmm. to the puzzle, if that makes sense.
0: It does. And, you know, on this podcast, I talk a lot about mind-body medicine and emotional health, mental health, spiritual health, and have a lot of guests who come on and really dive into these things as well. But I want to ask you what your mind-body healing journey looked like, you know, but obviously the food is really important and the exercise and all of those things. But like, what did mind body healing look like for you?
1: Yeah. Well, I'm going to say over the course of 23 years, I pretty much tried everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, If you asked me if I tried it, I probably did. Um, but the, the, the missing piece to the puzzle was that emotional piece. And when I went to Dr. Alyssa Rankin's medical conference, and I want to say that that medical conference was specifically for doctors and nurses and holistic practitioners. It wasn't for like patients,
0: Right.
1: but I felt like this need that I must go and I'm going to learn something that's going to help me. And I did. And in that conference, um, she really talked about healing past traumas and this just like struck a chord with me. And and so over the course of the week, I made a list of every trauma in my life and there was, there weren't any secrets, you know, it could even be something as simple as like a name. Someone called you that you still think of occasionally, or it could be very traumatic medical experience, um, emergency abuse. It could be anything or all those things, you know? Um, So for me, that was really important. And I realized A lot of my traumas were, would be considered early childhood traumas from like zero to five or zero to seven. And like I had a premature birth and was put into an ICU and not held for 10 days. And I almost died during that time. I believe I had a near death experience based on some things that I've read. Um, And then I had a broken arm when I was two and a half and I had a spinal tap and a fever seizure when I was like three and a half. So anything that happens when you're kind of pre-verbal and you can't say much like that, well, all trauma gets held in your body until it's released. Um, so I realized, wow, I have a lot to look into that Mm I, that I hadn't, I had no idea that this was still, this was affecting my headaches. So it was kind of like this big revelation. Um, and then I, re- and, you know, one thing I wanted to say too is, um, Martha Beck was there and I just love her and she was talking about how, um, and I can't remember which book she mentioned this in cause she's written so many, but she mentioned how, um, highly empathic people often would have been like the medicine men and women, you know, in ancient cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, so like this just made so much sense because I realized wow I'm really empathic and wow I have these old traumas and and what do I do with it?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: um. So that's also in that in that conference I learned about um, different modalities like K like somatic experiencing, Nia dance. Um. And for me, the somatic experiencing was for me, the most beneficial thing that I've done um, to heal myself and to stay healed. And um, that's where you work with a practitioner and, you know, they ask you probing questions. You're usually lying on a table. um, And, you know, every practitioner has a slightly different way of of doing it but you they they ask these probing questions to get to the root of that stuck trauma and help you release it you know with Mm -hmm. with your breath um by asking further questions it's like tapping into your inner child if yeah if you believe you know if you believe in that Mm -hmm. um so that was significant. And in 2014, that's what I did. Um, I dived in or I dove in wholeheartedly. I was after 23 years, I was like, I'm done with this. Um, and the person that I saw generally worked with someone like once a week for a long period of time. And I didn't really have that much time to devote. So we did like two sessions a week and, uh, it was about two months of really intense work. Um, but it was one of the most beneficial it was not easy you know it was mm-hmm. very emotional and whatnot but um, it was one of the most beneficial things I've ever done and I recommend it to anyone even someone that doesn't have chronic pain for that matter mm-hmm.
0: yeah I once had an amazing somatic experiencing somatic therapist on the podcast and it was so interesting um, but I want to ask you you know because you always hear everyone say like that their healing work is hard healing is hard doing the work is really hard but it is so rewarding when you said it was really hard which of course it is I want to know more about what hard looked like for you what were the challenges that you faced when you really dove deep into the traumas that you had
1: yeah what was hard um well i think for anyone that heals you start to like understand who you are and your own boundaries and you start to set boundaries um so for like uh, one example that comes to mind is um for most of my life um and including when my dad was alive every birthday i had it was um I I hated my birthday because every birthday, both parents generally, sometimes together, sometimes separate, they would, you know, talk to me with tears in their eyes, how traumatic my birth was and how I almost died. And it was really hard to hear that versus them saying it's a miracle you survived, you know? So they had this really like sad, depressing, negative conversation on my birthday every year. And I think it was around the time I was about. 34, 33. I don't remember the exact year, but I told my mom, I didn't want to hear that story on my birthday. I hated my birthday. I didn't want to hear it. You know, it's a miracle that I'm alive and can, can it just be that? And, um, like she had no idea that her sadness was, um, affecting me. Mm-hmm. You know, so so I had to take a stand and set that boundary. And and um, now 41, since that time, she hasn't had that um, conversation with me again, right. you know. Right. Um, so little things like that. And that was really hard to do. And I think it was even like a little bit of an argument. You know, she didn't understand like why I was bothered by that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, I, I guess it just takes, I think someone with chronic pain is like, or at least for myself, um, I wasn't in touch with my intuition and my feelings and what I really wanted. So it was hard work in the sense that I had to re-engage myself. Like, what do I want? I'm not, it doesn't matter what my sister wants, what my mom wants, what my boyfriend wants. Um, Like, who am I? What do I want in life? And, you know, I think someone with chronic pain sometimes can make poor decisions because of the state that they're in and so like I was trying to figure out what was my career what am I supposed to be doing in this world for quite a while you know so I just kept trying things and like okay maybe not that let me try this instead kind of thing so I was kind of in this exploration phase for quite a while. Um,
0: Well I just want to quickly say that I think that's a really good point that you made about you know learning to trust your intuition because i think as you said earlier a lot of people who have chronic pain are instinctually very empathetic which can cause you to put other people's needs and wants before yours and that can cause a lot of problems especially like inner conflict inner problems and i think that you know, learning how to listen to yourself and your inner voice and inner knowing and be able to then act on that and speak up and ask for what you want and what you need. I think that that is really hard work because it's not something that we're used to. Like, at least for me, I'm just not wired that way. So learning how to ask for what I want and you know speak up and even if it's something so small it doesn't come naturally to me and I think that like that's really hard work for myself and for a lot of people as well
1: yeah I 100% agree I think I think I was too focused on taking care of everyone else and Mm -hmm. you know I love my family but they are a bit dysfunctional so I kind of grew up in this dysfunctional environment taking care of my mom and my dad and my siblings and um it continued on to adulthood and, you know, me being this amazing aunt that was always available to babysit both my nephews. And, um, despite having a full-time job teaching and, um, yeah, sometimes taking on too much in my teaching role or being worried about students outside of work hours, you know, and Mm -hmm. it was hard to like draw those boundary lines. You know, it Mm -hmm. wasn't natural to me and it still is work. You know, I still have to think now about, do I really want that? Is that good for me? Is that a good use of my time? Um, you know, it, it's constant. It, it hasn't yeah. ended just because my, my pain has gone away.
0: Mm-hmm. No, totally. I think that that's also actually a really good point. It's drawing boundaries um, and knowing when to say no, knowing when you're overworking yourself, knowing when you just had enough and you want to do something differently or a different way or make a different choice. Like, I think that those things are, are also, you know, part of our intuition, but also really difficult, um, and really important at the same time.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, on a positive note, like when you start to make these really hard, uh, positive changes, you know, in the end, they'll be positive for you. The people around you start changing, you know, like your coworkers will start to view you differently. Like, I also didn't, I stopped wanting to like be seen as that sick person, you know, yes. so that changed my, some friendships and, um, it's totally fine, you mm-hmm. know, like at one, in one hand it was a loss, but on the other hand, I gained a lot, you know, um, so that was really important as well. I, yeah. I, I no longer wanted to be this person that, you know, even now some friends and family might still call me up or send an email and say, how are your headaches? Yeah you know, and it's been a long time now since I've had chronic migraines. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's how they think of me. Cause you know, that's how they knew me for 20 years or 30 years or 40 years, you know?
0: Yeah. So let me ask you when, when you get those questions, how do you respond?
1: Um, I usually just say, Oh, I'm fine. It's not right. a problem. And go straight into the next, you know, right. subject, uh-huh. Uh-huh. you know, how are you doing? Or, um, yeah, I don't, I don't delve into that. Yeah. Um, at
0: all no I think that's really important and I'm glad you brought that up because on last week or this the episode two weeks ago I skipped last week but the two weeks ago um, I interviewed a man named Dan Buglio and he specializes in chronic pain and and mind-body medicine and he talks a lot about how one of the Keys to overcoming chronic pain is to stop identifying with the pain, to stop talking about it, to stop identifying with it, to stop making it a, your story. Like it's not a bad thing, you know, like you're doing and I'm doing to go out and then help other people because of it, but stop making it who you are. And I think that the reason that's such a, you know, important piece of this puzzle is because the longer you identify with it, the more you are it.
1: 100%. Yeah, yeah that's huge. Um I definitely agree with Dan I follow I've yeah. followed his work as well. Um Yeah, and that's why I struggled over the last few years. You know, I have this online cooking school, but I've wanted to help people with chronic pain and migraines and I've struggled with how to do that in a really positive way that um isn't me fully identifying with being this sick person with chronic pain, you know? Mm -hmm. So we can talk about the conference later, but that's, you know, why I wanted to create a really positive way to delve into that.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I struggle with the same thing as well, honestly, because it's like to do what we're doing, we have to talk about it. It is part of our story and we want to make ourselves relatable because we are relatable. Um, to the other people that, you know, are suffering or that that are listening to our content or, you know, engaging in our our community because that's what draws them to us because we've been through it. And I think that that's what makes people like us successful at, at what we do is that there is that relatability factor. But you're totally right. It's like, how do you keep that there while at the same time not identifying with it. I think it's a really hard thing to do.
1: 100%. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm going to say till about two years ago, mm-hmm. literally every time I would try to go write a blog post, I would yeah. end up with the start of a headache. And I'm like, oh my oh God, my God. That's I'm so not supposed to write about this. I'm yeah. not supposed to do anything to help anyone because every time it started, you know, mm-hmm. it just started the whole like thought process or some pain would pop up and, um, I really had to kind of delve into my own power and my spirituality and setting boundaries. And now I'm fine, but Mm -hmm. it it took quite a while. You know, I've been healed for about six and a half years now. So, you know, about four, four, four and a half years, it was still a very tricky situation for me.
0: Yeah. I want to talk now about your virtual summit on chronic pain and the amazing practitioners that join you. I think that the v community will find this fascinating, and I want to learn more about it because I obviously know what you do, but I don't know that much. So yeah. share more about this.
1: Yeah, well, like I said, I, I have this website, Kitchens, and kitchens is com, and I teach cooking classes virtually. And I've had this on my heart to do something for people with chronic pain, and you know, during the pandemic, um, I was able to reach out to a lot of healers that I know um, in Europe and the and the U.S. I'm originally from California, but now I reside in England, and um, I threw out this idea to them that we could do a virtual summit. You know, bringing all these amazing modalities and healers together to kind of share in a really positive way, um, how somebody might be on track to, to heal themselves. And, you know, when I went to that conference with Dr. Lysarankin in 2014, I think it was about $3,000. It was really expensive. And, um, I just thought, you know, I can do a a version of that for the Mm -hmm. everyday person who's not a doctor or a nurse who really wants to understand, like, what's the message of pain? how can I start to heal my body and, and start to dream big again? You know, um, I, th- I know the symptoms are hundred percent real, you know? Yeah. Um, and it takes, like, I'm going to use the word a village. It takes a village to, to heal. And it wasn't um, like any one thing that I learned in 23 years. It was a whole variety of things that I put together to feel better. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to just, Bring these amazing practitioners who have all healed themselves, um, which I think is a key component um, that they understand what someone with chronic pain is going through because they've healed themselves in their own life and they've devoted their life to helping people in chronic pain. Um, so yeah, that's kind of <laughs> the gist of what I've put together.
0: It's incredible. And so talk a little bit about the different practitioners that you have join you because Yes. you include everything like somatic therapy, <laughs> meditation, sound healing, yoga, like so much.
1: Yeah. I mean, I really, I really want to just introduce people to all these different modalities and you, whatever resonates with you, you'll take away like real practical tools that you can apply to real life. So, um, so one of the practitioners is named Cecily. She's a journalist and filmmaker and She's in the process of writing a book right now about transgenerational trauma mm. post-World War I wow. using her own family.
0: Wow. So she's going
1: to share her family's story, but with her doing that, then you will be able to apply that to your own life and think about, well, what kind of traumas did my ancestors have? Did my grandma or grandpa have? And um, you know, you can start thinking about how that uh, transpires through the generations and mm-hmm. You know, it's it's as simple as, for instance, if you're um, if you're the child or grandchild of a Holocaust survivor, you have a much higher propensity of having anxiety or anxiety disorders. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's just like a little um, you know, eye opening to what might be happening in your own family.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, We'll also have a teacher of Nia dance and she happens to actually be my teacher here in London. And she is a teacher of teachers of Nia dance. And uh, Nia is something that I learned at the conference in uh, 2014 and I've recently taken up and I really enjoy it. It's a combination of martial arts and yoga and aerobics, uh, but it's done in a way that like helps you reach your inner joy. It's like, movement meditation, if I had to give it some words. Mm -hmm. Um, And anyone can do it. It doesn't matter your skill level, your pain, you can move as gently as you like. Um, So it's really fun. So I just wanted to introduce people to that. Um, Another movement, we'll be doing yoga and we'll have live sound healing um, in conjunction with the yoga. So even if the yoga movements are something that you're not able to do. You could just sit and enjoy the beautiful music um, from Lydia. Let's see. Um, Katie is going to help you kind of rewrite your story, and that was huge for me. Um, you know, like who am I, and and that's like we talked to him a few minutes ago about um, like moving on from that story of pain. Yeah. You know, so she's going to help you like re envision. What, what's your new story? Yeah, and then I'll be talking about um, my story and then also applying intuition to food and diet and cooking. So that's a huge part of what I do.
0: How cool. Uh, Will you talk for just another minute about the culinary aspect? Because I am just someone who believes wholeheartedly that what you put in your body is so important and the way that you eat is just like absolutely necessary um to live a healthy life to eat good food and if you eat good nourishing healthy food you will feel good it's obviously not the whole picture but it's a big it's a big component of the picture so just talk a little bit more about that and how that's incorporated into the summit
1: yeah um Well, I agree. I think a a healthy diet is imperative to a long, healthy life. Um, And going to Italy to earn my master's in gastronomy in 2014, 2015. So that was my big uh, awakening moment kind of after healing. I I did this amazing year abroad and and now I'm still abroad. But Mm -hmm. um, that whole experience was like just this amazing time to like fall in love with myself, fall in love with food, enjoy myself, but at the same time, like eat the highest quality foods available, yeah. um, and learn how to cook with them, you know, and use the seasonal produce in a beautiful way that was honoring the, the items, um, you know, the, the whole, uh, aspect of, of producing a food, you know, from the health of the soil to the, to the end consumer kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, let's see, what else can I say? Um, so using my intuition is really key in selecting ingredients. Um, you know, what do I feel like, you know, like for instance, some people have the philosophy of, Oh, I healed and I can eat whatever I want. Right. And on one hand, that's true. Like I could crave potato chips every day and eat them, but, (laughs) (laughs) you know, using my intuition would be asking myself like, is this a healthy choice for me? Um, is there, is there something healthier that I could have, or could I have a small portion of this? Um, and, and I think, Using your intuition means that you, you really listen to what your body wants and craves. You know, even if I have those potato chips, I'm probably going to want to have vegetables with my next meal Mm -hmm. or a salad. Um, and, and I'm going to be thirsty. So I'm going to, you know, drink adequate liquids and things. Um, so I'm going to be talking about my experience, you know, in, in the, in the summit, um, you know how I think about food and diet and nutrition and it really is um a big part of or I mean I really apply my intuition to to much of that you know I I used to follow like all these different diets elimination diets and um and I was really scared of food yeah and that's a thing that changed too like when you asked earlier um you know, when my migraines initially went away, I was following very restricted diets. And when they came back, those restricted diets weren't working. Right. Um, So I learned, you know, how not to be scared of food, um, believe that it's healthy, like, and I'm still working on this. This is a very big thing to like really, you know, believe that the food you're eating is safe, it's healthy, you're not going to get sick. But at the same time, you know, what's the healthiest food for you?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: You know, we're all different. You know, my husband prefers a more vegan diet. I do make a lot of vegan food, but I prefer some meat, Uh you know? Um, So that's your intuition, you know, like I I know I need that. So I'm going to have, you know, a piece of meat with my meal and he's not, and that's fine.
0: Right, right. No, that's so true. And it's such a good point because, I mean, we both know that Most people who suffer from chronic pain have probably been on some form of an elimination diet or another diet, um, whether it's candida or no sugar, no carbs or whatever it is. And Mm -hmm. that, you know, while I don't want to say that that can't be helpful, there could be a time and place, but in the long term, it just instills a tremendous amount of fear and it's not a sustainable way to live, I don't believe. So you're totally right. Like, while it may have helped you once, and I'm sure most people have a similar kind of situation, it's not going to work forever. And at some point, you're going to have to learn how to live your life by just listening to your intuition and eating healthy and that's it yeah Yeah. I I don't
1: uh diss any diet because I do think there could be a period of time where you do need a special diet for whatever condition you might have but it's not something that you can easily sustain you know and you could potentially make your condition worse over time too where you know it starts out with eliminating two foods and then it becomes 20 foods or 50 foods and um you know when my headaches got really bad um in 2014 I was only able to eat 10 foods at that time wow and it was, food was utterly repulsive to me. It was only eaten so that I could continue existing, you know? Yeah. It was all healthy food, you yeah. know, like salmon and cauliflower and whatnot. But when you have to eat those 10 foods um, every day, you
0: don't want those foods, you yeah. know? No, it's horrible. Um,
1: so, you know, it's there's so many facets to healing. It, it's not just one thing, but... Um, Yeah, I think, you know, going to Italy was really me like learning how to enjoy food again. Mm -hmm. And um, so you don't have to go to Italy for that. You can start (laughs) that today, you know, in your own home. Italy definitely helped, but.
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay. so another thing, you know, that relates closely to this that you touched upon in some of the, the materials that I just like read on your website and whatnot is that healing can be creative and fun and this stood out to me because i just think this is such an important thing and something we need to talk about because mo i don't you know i don't want to make a generalization but i feel like a lot of people who have any form of chronic pain or suffering they are suffering which sucks like we've both been there but mm-hmm. it can consume you in the most negative way. And it's, it can be virtually impossible to look at getting better as a creative and fun thing. Usually it's time consuming. It costs money. It takes a lot of energy. It's depressing. It's stressful. It's scary. All of these things. And you're absolutely right. Like it can be creative and fun or you can at least make parts of it creative and fun. So Mm -hmm. I just I thought that was such a beautiful way to look at it and such an important thing to talk about today. So I just want to hear more about how you came to this kind of how you created this kind of like saying healing can be creative and fun because it can be, and it should be. And I mean, you know, I fundamentally believe that everything in life happens to us for a reason. Like I really do. And you have to just figure out ways to learn from it and to like be creative and explore. And there is so much that you learn from suffering. So it's like, you might as well use it in an exciting way to the best of your ability to grow and learn and your life will change for the better, but that's, that's hard to do in the moment. So that's why I just want your take on that.
1: Yeah. Gosh, so much to say. And <sighs> I, uh, I know I don't have hours to talk, but um, you know, if you look at ancient cultures and ancient societies, how did they heal from trauma? They healed yeah. with music and song and dance. Yeah. So we can do the same. You know, if 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 even if you never attended this conference or never did anything else, I mean if you if you just listened to amazing music every day and danced and sang, you might just heal yourself. Like, you know, on one hand, these practitioners hold space for you to heal, Mm -hmm. but you don't necessarily need them. You know, so I I, I think we're all a lot stronger and more powerful than we think we are. Um, Yeah, so I I just think, like, I have spent the last six years, well, six and a half years, like, really having lots of fun. And I, you know, I was such, like, a serious, like, straight-A student and, you know, always doing everything so perfect. Like, I had fun, but I really wasn't having fun Mm -hmm. to the extent that I have fun now, you know? And, um, you know, like, Nia Dance will have, we will have... an an artist who's going to show you how to connect to your joy with you know drawing and painting your emotions and Mm. even if you don't paint you can apply this to arranging flowers to gardening to sewing um going for walks in nature could be anything or buying clothes like whatever (laughs) it is you know you you really like to do um so I think you know you can look at color in a in a fun way um you know meditation I really like the meditation teacher Nandar she's going to Uh, walk you through, like, a 10-minute meditation, and, you know, she believes you just need 10 minutes a day. You don't need to sit there for hours meditating, and you can have really amazing effects, and, um, you know, I think that's important. Um, Let's see, what have I done myself? I've really gotten into watercoloring. You know, Uta, who's the body psychotherapist, she feels that nature is the biggest healer, Hmm. biggest therapist, and I 100% agree. Like, You know, some of my worst days sometimes, and even now, if I start to get a headache, I might just go out for a walk Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: go sit under a tree and, you know, I might come home and be totally fine. Wow. So, you know, I feel like now nature is often the first thing I seek to feel better versus the last thing in the past or maybe never even thought of.
0: That's such a good point. And what if someone doesn't believe that healing is possible? What would you have to say to them? Because I think so many people hear these amazing healing stories. They see it happening to people that they know, but they don't think that that can be them or happen to them.
1: Yeah. Um. Gosh, I want to say it's possible. 100% yeah. it's possible. Um, you know, I, I think it comes down to like, really thinking like, what are you telling yourself every day? Like, start to just be curious, um, start to be curious about your past traumas. Um, start to be curious about your intuition. Um, you know, what is your body really telling you? What do you feel like? What do you want? And, and if you, if you, if that's such a foreign concept to you, um, just think about, I know we're not going to restaurants so much anymore, so maybe mm-hmm. just think about your menu at home. But if you had to choose between, you know, let's say hamburgers and salmon for, for dinner at a restaurant or at your home, and you order the salmon because you think it's healthier, but you really wanted the burger. And then the whole time you're waiting for the dinner to arrive at the table, you wish you would have ordered the burger. And then the burger comes and the salmon and, you know, the burger goes to your, to your child or your mom or your spouse. And you kick yourself because you really wanted the burger and you get the salmon and you're disappointed the whole meal. Like it's just these little tiny things each day, um, Mm -hmm. that you do that's tapping into your intuition. Um, What else? Um, You know, I remember when I first, first, first started, you know, focusing on healing. um, I was just doing little things like what brought me joy? What did I love? Like if I took the longer route on my walk so I could see this pretty rose bush, like did that give me just a moment of joy to smell the rose on my way home? Um, So or, or having a cup of tea or coffee, like I like to have my coffee out of um a special mug each morning uh Mm. so little tiny tiny things so just kind of delve into that and um and just believe believe that you believe you are healed like it's not believe you can be like you have to start speaking and living and believing like that you're healed today even when you feel horrible
0: i agree i think that's so powerful Wow, thank you. I wanna know welcome. what your daily kind of wellness practices are if you have them, or you know, what are some non-negotiable things that you do every day?
1: Yeah, well, I we keep I keep using the word intuition and so do you. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, like that is the key to everything. I mean, I have to think like, um what what would feel good to me today? Um, Okay, it's really cold outside in London here. Maybe um, going for a walk is not the best thing. Um, Maybe I should sit here and meditate and or maybe I should paint um, some flowers instead of going outside, you know? Um, So I would say my non-negotiables are paying attention to my intuition, um, meditating every day, I generally do that upon waking up, um, sometimes in bed or sometimes out of bed. It just depends. And really, you know, selecting the highest quality, freshest, most organic, um, foods that that I can afford every day and, and making them into really delicious meals. Um, so yeah, for me, it's, it's food and meditation and intuition and, um, you know, I also learned recently that meditation is considered the highest form of prayer. And I just loved learning that. It just made so much sense to me.
0: Yeah. I love that too. Are there any resources that you have to recommend to everyone listening?
1: Gosh, um, so many, Uh, when you, (laughs) when you asked me that to think about before this call, I was thinking, gosh, what do I say? Um, you know, one, uh, modality i learned on uh, the last two three years was something called psych k and that's to help rewire the brain and um it's kind of like saying affirmations in a particular way to kind of have them stick and um i really enjoy that and i do that sometimes it's definitely not a daily thing it's on occasion um i love gabor mate's book when the body says no mm-hmm uh dr bruce lipton has written several books he's lots of videos on youtube um one that you probably haven't heard of um, is a manual for developing humans it's a book by pmh atwater and i really just um, like what she has to say she's a near-death experience researcher um and so she's she's kind of written well she's written a lot of books but she's really delved into like how to heal and help yourself because she had to heal herself so i i like her story as well and she's she's in her 80s so she's on the older side but um she's just like so insightful and she was way ahead of her time you know she was writing these books so long ago and um i think now she's getting more traction um also love louise hayes yeah Uh, all of her books heal the body um And trying to think.
0: um, Those are amazing.
1: Yeah, there's so many, so many. Just pick one, you
0: know? (laughs) Well, if you think of any more, I'm going to link all of those in the show notes. So just send me an email with any any other books that you you think that you want to share and I can just throw them in there. And lastly, before we go, where can everyone contact you if they want to sign up for the summit? How can they do so?
1: Yeah, if they just go to mind body kitchens with an s.com slash break free um you can uh see the uh the, the page with the summit break free from chronic pain summit and all the practitioners that are joining will be listed there with their bios so you can have a better understanding i didn't get to mention everyone mm-hmm. um but you can read all about them and then there's a link to the Eventbrite page um but yeah, I awesome. would love to see anyone there that this would resonate with them and help them kind of get a jump start on their healing journey.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here today and share all of this incredible information. I can't wait for everyone to hear this episode. So thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much, Hannah. This podcast is for educational purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other healthcare professional services, including the giving of medical advice. During the episodes, no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Listeners should seek the assistance of their healthcare provider for any concerns or questions they have.